Hey everyone, welcome back to another video. Today we're gonna to be covering Andor Episode 6 Breakdown. Shout out to everyone who was at the watch party last night. I had a great time with you all as usual and I'll be seeing you next week. So this episode was the big one where everything after the last six episodes, well five episodes leading to today, the heist finally happens. So let's start it right off in the very beginning where Andor is speaking with Nemec. And Nemec reminds me of Donatello from the Ninja Turtles kind of. Just a little bit more of like a pathetic version. He's the tech specialist of the team and without him everything would kind of crumble and no one would really know what the proper path was to execute this mission properly. Now he explains that he is nervous for the mission and he calls Andor a mercenary. I guess we could call him a mercenary or rather a gun for hire and I think there's much more to Andor than meets the eye and that's something that this show is really trying to portray. Now in Rogue One we saw him kill point blank pretty much as soon as he had a suspicion someone was going to betray him or compromise his survival. We see the same from him in this episode at the end so I wonder if this this season will explain more about him and why he's so cutthroat and quick on the trigger, or if it'll gloss over and maybe explain that in season two. Andor assures Nemec that he'll sleep when it's all done, as the boy is nervous. Now, the Donnies are essentially the pilgrims of the world, and they head to the lookout near the Empire's base, right? If you remember, there's going to be some sort of a crystal-like material floating over the atmosphere and it's going to heat up as it enters the atmosphere and create a starry night effect kind of like the northern lights but star wars version they head near the lookout near the empire's base as we see the officers explain the very nature of these donnies and we get to see the commandant once again he explains how they've began as 15,000 pilgrims that would go and see this starry night sky and now that's dwindled to mere hundreds later the empire has exploited them and tried to sell them things that they don't need. We're getting a very greedy look at the Empire and it's portraying how really greedy they are and how they've become fat and satisfied as Andor remarked many times in the trailers. The Empire is ruled under Palpatine, but it's the very admirals and officers under him who make it even greedier of an organization, and their choices for their own hubris and lining of their pockets are quite evident in this show. And it's all being explained quite well in tonight's episode. As Andor and the crew head towards the Imperial base, Skeen reveals that Barcona was a stormtrooper. This is the first time we kind of hear of stormtroopers, and this is cool as we saw the primo security guards pretty much, and their lack of training portrayed very well in the first few episodes and I think it's to kind of give a big discrepancy big gap between those guys and the stormtroopers that we'll probably see going into the later episodes of the season stormtroopers have always been portrayed as quite pathetic and I feel like in this show they could be portrayed as very badass and very accurate the Commandant has a hard time fitting his belt around his waist, drawing attention to him gaining weight. Meaning he's probably very comfortable and life is good, he's got good food, he's eating a ton, and he's not really worried about too much. That's what I understood from the constant fat and satisfied nods that the show seems to make. Cinta and Vel head underwater, and the ceremonial nonsense, as the Commandant says, is about to begin with the Donnies, the Pilgrims. Lieutenant Gorn, who is a spy, really, who's you know turned his back on the Empire after seven years, sees Andor and his men and orders them to escort the Commandant. 
We can see some of the troops are a bit confused that they've never seen Andor, Skeen, or Nemec before, but they keep quiet. So we can already see things are starting to ramp up. If they're thinking about it, then we know, you know, everyone else kind of probably sees that things are a bit out of place or that, you know, who are these guys? Once underground, Andor and the crew take the Commandant and his family hostage as Sinta and Vel arrive too for backup. The pilgrims enjoy their ceremonious evenings as the crew continue the mission. This is the perfect distraction for Andor's crew. The crew threaten the Commandant and force him to comply as they go to the lower decks where the credits are as they take more hostages and force the soldiers to get the credits onto the ship. The heist so far is going very well and smooth until the communications tower intercepts the crew's conversation and realizes what is happening. So the Empire is under a robbery, and so the communications guy orders the TIE fighters to be dispatched in a few moments as the crew quickly move to get all the credits aboard. Now, I really enjoyed the scene that we're going to see in a few minutes of the TIE fighters and the TIE fighter pilots getting into their ships. I always found TIE fighters to be extremely interesting, extremely badass and cool as a kid. And of course, their noise was something you just never forget. Now, when I was nine years old, I got to see episode one in theaters and I got to see and hear the amazing pod race scene. Now, I can't imagine what it must have been like for all of you that were young in theaters watching the original trilogy and hearing TIE fighters for the first time. Little unknown fact. TIE Fighter sounds were actually from elephants, and of course changed up in the sound studio. Now, stealing the credits here isn't all about the money, and this is a point that I'd like to talk about and theorize. I think it'll do two very important things, and big things for the Rebels, and one of which was mentioned by one of you guys that was watching at the watch party, and I think it was a really cool theory. One thing, it'll show the galaxy that the Empire isn't as fortified as they once thought, that a band of few Rebels can steal that much from an actual Imperial base, and the second thing is that these credits could actually fund the Rebellion. The ships, the infrastructure required to have a massive rebellion like we will see in the original trilogy. All those things, of course, cost money. Lieutenant Gorn arrives and the Commandant realizes that he's behind this all along. He is stunned and betrayed, and he tells Lieutenant Gorn that he will hang for this. And so Gorn tells him that seven years serving you, I deserve worse than that. So right here, we can see a glimpse into what the Empire makes their workers do. And obviously it's some very horrible things. And one can only imagine what the level of control and killing that has happened in the name of the Empire has affected so many people in the galaxy, but also the people working for them. And this humanizes a bit of the Empire as well, not as a whole, but as their individuals, as the people who are hired by the Empire, who are working for the Empire. I'm sure many of them, like Lieutenant Gorn, feel the same way that they are doing horrible atrocities and horrible things. However, what choice do they have? This is their job, this is the life they chose, and if they choose to quit, perhaps something will happen to them. So while everyone is packing up the credits into the tram, a couple of soldiers walk in and they think things look kind of fishy, and once they see the Commandant pass out or die from a heart attack, we're still not too sure, they fire upon each other and sadly Lieutenant Gorn is shot in the midst of it all. Now, Commandant could be dead, he could be alive. If he lives, that'll make things interesting. Then he will remember the faces of the crew and he will use Imperial intelligence to learn more about them, eventually dooming Andor and maybe even Luthen as well. Now, if he is dead, I mean, there are cameras, of course, they have a security system and the ISB, Daedra, is definitely on Andor's booty. So she is going to find him. 
They get in the ship and they blast off on the rails and get in the sky as Nemec gets squished as they take off in the ship. And he is injected with some type of adrenaline, you know, Star Wars style, while Andor heads into the sky with the TIE fighters chasing after him. This is probably one of the most, if not the most, visually stunning scene in any Star Wars project that I've seen to date. Which is saying a lot because there are some very beautiful moments. Nemec orders Andor to climb and dive as he uses his last bit of life and energy to give proper coordinates so that they can get out of there safely. As they blast off into space, getting away from the TIE fighters, they decide to visit a doctor, against Vel's wishes who doesn't care to save Nemec. Skeen seems to be all about it, but I think we know why. I think he just needs a place to kind of sit down and maybe try to convince Cassian that they can get away with the money and just split the earnings 50-50. He's eventually trying to snake everyone out of the credits and steal everything, and we're going to talk about that in a minute here. So the four-armed doctor works on Nemec as he wears goggles resembling Maz Kanata from The Force Awakens. Skeen and Andor talk outside as Skeen says there's 80 million credits in the ship and he says they should leave and take 40 million each, that he knows a place to hide out. Cassian looks disgusted. He says, what about your hatred against the Empire? Because that was the whole thing. Skeen was completely against the Empire. He wanted revenge. He wanted to avenge his brother. And Cassian says, your need to rebel. Asking about his brother and the orchard. As if you remember, Skeen had told Cassian about a very moving story and touching story regarding his brother who had an orchard and he was killed by the Empire. So Skeen tells him that he doesn't have a brother. So he made the whole thing up. He's just a complete psychopath. Skeen goes over how they're going to steal and hide. Cassian is disgusted as he point blank blasts him. I love this about Andor. No plot armor to save anyone. No dilly-dallying, he just blasts when he thinks someone is going to compromise his safety or the others. He walks into the doctor's operating room with Nemec and Vel as he points his briar pistol at her. This is the same type of pistol that Kyle Katarn uses in the Jedi Outcast games and tells her what Skeen just tried to do. She doesn't believe him until he gives back the Sky Kyber worth 30,000 credits, according to Skeen, that Luthen gave him as collateral. Now, if you don't know much about the Sky Kyber crystal that Luthen gave him, he was talking about the Rakata Empire. I made a video last week about the Rakata Empire. It's a brilliant story from Legends, and I'd love to see this adapted into Star Wars as either a flashback in this show or their own spin-off show, because I believe it would be a fantastic show covering the beginning of the Jedi and the Rakata Infinite Empire themselves. Vel gives him Nemec's manifesto book, which is filled with tons of places that could lead Cassian on his next adventure, which I'm thinking will eventually take him to the clone troopers that we saw in the trailer a few months ago or a month ago. I'm thinking those clones are probably in the current time period. I think that would make things really interesting and not in a flashback, but I guess we'll see. And the reason for that is because the clones don't like the Empire much anymore, just like Cassian doesn't. And I'll explain that in a few minutes here at the end of this video. The ISB roundup and Partagaz tells everyone that no one is leaving or going home, that this is an emergency essentially and to have reports and presentations by midnight. The reports will be about the star sector and planetary emergency relation plans, so they're obviously going to be going in on whoever stole everything from the Empire. 
It's the ISB. These guys are going to find out exactly who did it and they're going to be going after Cassian. We finally are brought back to the Grand Senate on Coruscant, the same one that we saw through all of the prequels with Palpatine, Padme, and all the politicians. And this is also the same one that Palpatine and Yoda destroyed amidst their massive fight in Episode 3 Revenge of the Sith while Anakin and Obi-Wan were fighting on Mustafar. The Senate looks empty with barely any politicians there. It seems no one cares as much as they used to, that the Empire has quite the grasp on the galaxy and the way people seem to be disinterested in what Mon Mothma proposes. So what is she talking about? Well, she talks about the Gormans, and this is a very big movement against them from the Empire, primarily from Sly Moore, who is heading this decision. Palpatine's right confidant during the prequels and clearly still to this day, as she is cutting off the trade lanes towards Gormans, which will lead their people to famine. Sly Moore is doing this because Gormans don't want to comply with the Empire. They just want to remain their own world and people and not be controlled. They're quite peaceful. Mon Mothma says. So I can see Mon Mothma eventually ramping up the politics here to save Gormans and perhaps Sly Moore will enter the scene to discuss the matter. In fact, I almost feel like she was there during the scene. If you look in the distance, it's very blurred, but it almost seems like there's a bald person there. And while there could be many bald people in Star Wars, Sly Moore is bald. So hey, maybe it's her. It would seem that many politicians don't agree with saving Gorman, as we see them raising their voices and many walking out. Now, the entire Senate itself looks pretty barren, looks pretty empty, and it would seem that the Empire is kind of just controlling everything and people aren't really all that invested in politics anymore, as Palpatine's just going to do what he wants anyways, and he's sort of controlled everyone to think like he does, or he's only instated people who think the way he does and agree with his policies. Many may do so organically, and many may do so out of fear. The next scene is Luthen at his shop, as a client reads the morning paper and asks if he has anything from Aldani. And Luthen looks up and says, why? As there has been a massive raid on the Empire. So obviously this is breaking news, everyone is reading this, Luthen goes to the back of the shop and laughs in relief. End of the episode. So they pulled it off, he thinks. The rebellion has begun. This is a huge moment in Star Wars, as now the galaxy knows the Empire isn't invulnerable, and that they can be penetrated, they can be robbed. This will start a massive trend. This will start people thinking. Now, of course, the Empire will double down now in their security. They won't be so fat and satisfied anymore. And things will begin to get harder for everyone trying to rebel. I think the ISB will now go after Andor and his crew, and this will draw him into a lot of trouble. Maybe he'll go looking for clone troopers who dislike the Empire for what they did to them, Kamino and abandoning them like we saw in Kenobi with the 501st trooper who was asking for handouts with his cup out to Obi-Wan. I think things are going to get really interesting now in the show. It was a very slow start, but I guess it was building a lot of the character development for some of the guys as well as... Well, to be frank, it's built for TV, which means they're just sort of lengthening the episodes pointlessly to keep you watching and to keep the episodes going. Which is a bit of a cheap trick with TV, but I mean, it's what every single TV show does. If it was a movie, I believe all of this could have been done and explained within the first probably 25 to 30 minutes with another hour and a half left for the movie. So finally, we are entering the more interesting part of Andor, entering into episode 7 next week. I can't wait to watch it with you all at the watch party at 11.30pm Pacific Standard Time or 2.30pm Eastern Standard Time. I'll see you all then and of course in tomorrow's video and all the other videos coming soon. 
Please check me out on Spotify with daily episodes, as well as my other channels on Dragon Ball Theory, Theories Arcade, Theory Talks, Harry Potter Theory, Cobra Kai Theory, and many, many more that you'll see in the outro just in a few seconds. Thanks so much, everyone, for your time and for watching this breakdown. Leave a like if you enjoyed it, and I'll see you very soon. Until then, remember, the Force will be with you always.